Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back show, where intimacy is real. If you desire to intimately connect with yourself, significant other, children, family, friends, community, and higher power, then this is the show for you. We explore intimate topics, inspiring life stories, spirituality, and insightful tips on strengthening relationships. The show is hosted by Dr. April and her co-host, Coach K. Let's get this episode of the Bring Intimacy Back show started. We share with you today the secret power to intimacy to create the life you love or love the life you create. Now here's your host, Dr. April and her co-host, Coach K. Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back Show, where intimacy is real. Oh, welcome, guys. I'm so sorry I missed you guys last week. I was in a training um, dealing with trauma, which I will talk about on another show. So today's topic today is love is not a transaction. And we have a very special guest called Kim Sorrell. And when we speak with her, it's just going to blow our mind. I know you guys are out there um, listening, and thank you so much for following us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I really do appreciate it um, because it connects us all. And the reason why I do this show is to help people connect because in such a busy world with so much stuff going on and tragedy and trauma that many times we feel all alone, and I don't want anyone to feel alone. So... That's why I do this show called Bringing Intimacy Back. So one of the things we do every month is we highlight a charity of the month. And the charity of the month this month is Women Rising. Women Rising, because we're still in the month of March, is a great organization that assists women and their families to achieve what we call self-sufficiency, because that's really important. Even in the sense of connection, we got to have our basic needs met. And so this organization called Women Rising supports women, their families, and moving us up and providing social services, economic development, and advocacy services, which is fabulous. So as I was saying earlier, I have a wonderful guest. And let me tell you a little bit about her before I introduce her. She is an entrepreneur, a director of humanitarian organization, an author, and a speaker. And she, you know, as I talked about before that um, in this world, we have so much trauma. She has had some traumas of her own and how she's taken that energy and created true meanings of love. And she's found it and she's written books. And what she does is she motivates people to realize as we, this topic is, love is not a transaction. So when we come back, we're going to meet Kim and we're gonna get all into it. If you have any questions or wanna comment, please do so, and we'll let you know how to get it in. All right then, we'll be back in a moment. Life can be overwhelming sometimes. We think we are a burden to others. We think that it's better to hide it and suppress our hurt, but it's not. As Cave Coral Therapists, we will provide you with quality, confidential counseling services in a relaxing and peaceful environment. Talk to a professional today. Book an appointment on www.capecoraltherapist.com or call 239-565-6921. 
Welcome back to the Bringing Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. Welcome, Kim. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I've been so looking forward to this, Dr. April, and here we are. We're finally here together. I know. Yes, yes. And thank you so much for saying yes, and I'm just so happy that you guys are here today. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. So too, so. Yes. Yes. So what I ask most of my guests, um, this shows about intimacy, you know, and many people have all these different definitions of intimacy. And it's really a word that it means a lot to me. So I'd love to hear from my guests, what does intimacy mean to you? And how does that relate to our topic today? That love is not a transaction. Uh, intimacy to me is letting people in, letting people in, letting people in. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you have your guard up, which can be so easy to do, right? It's easy right. to be guarded. And, and if you've been hurt in the past and you don't want to be hurt again. And so, uh, you might let people sort of in, but not entirely in, but, Intimacy is is just putting yourself out there, just letting letting people in. Wow, yes, yeah. And so I was reading your background and um you met years ago this wonderful man. Yes, and yes. you let him in and I think it was like he proposed like right away almost. So tell us about your love story. Well, I was gonna be the first woman president. Actually, that was my plan when I was in high school. So I had my life laid out. I knew what I needed to do, where I needed to go to school and all of that stuff. And I wasn't sure that a husband and kids, if there was room for that, you right. know, in that, in that goal. But I did know that if I ever met a man, he had to have two things. He had to be over six foot tall because my wow. five foot nothing mom married a short man. I wanted to give my kids a chance at some height. Okay. And he had to be good looking because I wanted him to look good in my wedding picture. So obviously very deep thinker at 17 years old. And uh, May of my senior year in high school, in walks this tall, dark, handsome man who swept me off my feet. And 10 days after we met, I asked him to marry me. And he said, yes. And Are you like him? I did. I oh my him. gosh, I must have misread that. Okay, you guys him. Oh my gosh. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Crazy. You knew what you wanted. Yeah, I did. I did. I mean, yeah. And and against all odds, right? I mean, I was 17. I got married at 18. He was 22. So he was right. old enough to buy beer, but right. uh, barely. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but it was just, I, it was just right. It was, it was the right thing. It was right. Right, right. It was very um, intimate. <coughs> Many times people don't understand what that means. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had dated, I dated a lot in high school and um, I, uh, there was just something different about this man. There was just something so incredibly different about him and I couldn't get enough of him. And, you know, it was just, and it wasn't like I planned out Right. Uh, asking him to marry me. We were actually making out on the couch and it just seemed like the right thing to say. <laughs> so uh, no grand proposal, nothing like that. But but anyway, he was a wonderful man and I was very much in love. And, you know, it we grew together 
and right. uh, and it worked for us. It worked. It was great. Yeah. So how did that experience teach you about love? It's not a transaction because many times I do a lot of couples counseling and it's like, well, she did this. And then if they do this and if he does this, it's this if then, you know what I'm saying? It's like first I say first and second grade stuff a lot. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. It's so true. Well, I uh, decided I'd go on this quest to find the real meaning of love. I was diagnosed with breast cancer a few years ago, and four months later, that man of my dreams, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and passed away six weeks after that. Oh, my gosh. So that's like two major loss, two major traumas, two major griefs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And so then I was alone in my 40s, and I was never expected that you know you plan on being 95 years old and sitting on rocks on the front porch drinking lemonade and smiling at each other or whatever it is that 95 year olds do on the front porch right so this whole new life and as i was trying to figure out this whole new life it occurred to me that i loved my husband deeply like we had a great relationship and i uh know how to do it i know how to do great relationships but I wasn't sure that I knew the full meaning of love. Mm. And so I decided that somebody needed to take a deep dive into this and it might as well be me. So I took First uh, Corinthians 13, you know, a 2000 year old poem, love, yes. is kind, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast. I took it one word a month. And most of the time I was working on it, I was in Haiti because I was working mm -hmm. at the time. And so it was very much an eat, pray, love kind of experience. And the things that I found out just blew my mind. And the fact that love is not a transaction is one of them. Right. You know, we, we often hear love is a two-way street or, you know, you're giving love to get love in return. You give love because you want love in return. But the reality is love is completely up to you, 100% right. up to you. You have no control over what love comes back to you. You know, when you're... A, you bring home a baby from the hospital and you decide when the baby eats, you're in control, right? You right. decide when the baby has a bath, when the baby uh, goes to bed, you know, all of that. But then six, seven, eight months later, all your Tupperware is all over the kitchen floor mm -hmm. and pots and pans are banging everywhere. You realize you've lost control and I promise you, you never get it back again. Right. You have lost. We, so we only control ourselves. Right. Exactly. Right. So if we're, giving love to get love. That's like me giving you money and you give me a pair of jeans. It's right. a transaction. And love is not a transaction. Love is a one-way street. It is up to you, period. It is up to you to love. And uh, expecting, you know, that, that word alone is dangerous, right? Expecting right. to have expectations. But uh, expecting love in return just leads to loneliness and disappointment and heartache. And because you're not necessarily going to get back what you think you're going to get back. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and, and it, you have no control over what love come back, comes back, but you have total control over the love that you give. Right. And the love that you give, it has to be about action. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that uh, the love that you give, but the love you receive in the love that you give also should also be like you said, with babies and other things, Unconditional is how we're, when we talk about that full love and that spiritual, um, godly love is unconditional. And if we can give that to others, 
Yeah, it's so funny that that you mentioned that because I was thinking about that just the other day that we fall in love with somebody or we we say we're falling in love or you fall out of love and I just even what I discovered is love is not an emotion like fear or excitement, right? You don't live in fear. You watch a scary movie that night you hear every bump, every bang, you know, you're you're afraid all night long, but you don't live in that. But you live in love. Mm-hmm. Your love is who you are. You right. and and then how you decide to show up with it is up to you. Mm-hmm. But you don't hang it up when you get home, you know, or anything like that. It is always with it is who you are. It's mm-hmm. it's em, embodies you. And so uh what I was thinking about though is how people when you find your one and only, you know, whatever, and you, you get the butterflies in your stomach and you just have just this beaming love, you know, and you can't wait to walk down the aisle and say, I do. And you go on this great honeymoon and then you come home and he leaves his dirty underwear on the bedroom floor. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like, why did I marry this barbarian? Like, what was I thinking? He, he, this is what he's doing. And then we feel like we're retracting love or do what, do we really love him? Well, he's not dirty underwear guy. He's the guy you, you love. You love the person, not yeah. the little actions that irritate you. You can not like those. That's fine. Right. But that shouldn't have anything to do with the love you have because the love is for the person, not the action. Right. right. I think sometimes that happens because many people sometimes don't even love themselves. I haven't been shown love um, in childhood. And so they come into these relationships. And like you said, they focus on these little actions. Oh, well, now I don't love them. You know, now I do. Now I don't. And that's not how love works. No, right. No, no. Love is constant. Love is constant and should be for everyone. You know, certainly there's people that you're going to have deeper feelings for, but you should just love everybody. I mean, it's it's certainly the best way to live is to love everybody, but uh, you shouldn't withdraw your love. There's not a reason. There might be things you don't like. There might be people you don't like. You know, you're not going to invite everybody over for Easter dinner, right? I mean, not everybody's going to be your best friend. And it's okay. Not all personalities go well together. Not all people fit well together. But love is different than like. So love is something that should always be there, that you shouldn't withdraw, that it should always be given. Right. You know what I think? It's sometimes people think that love is like a a pie, that there's only a limited amount. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That I cannot Mm -hmm. love more than one person at a time, or I've got to hold back my love to punish this person. And that's not, yeah. So how in that journey did you um, encompass this and be able to share and teach others? Well, you know, as I was uh, journeying, I was journaling. So Mm -hmm. I I was writing and and I needed to do this journey for myself whether it ever became a book or it ever became anything, I needed to do it for me. But I, so I was writing. And so I start out each chapter with what I think I'm going to discover, you know, what I think it is like patience, you know, love is patient. We know what patience is, right? 
But then I end each chapter with whatever happens in Haiti. Like I was chased by a motorcycle gang. I got lost on a high mountain. I slept outside with tarantulas. Anyway, uh, and that brings me to the realization of what the love is, that word or phrase really means. And uh, so it was, it was a very interesting time. And the things that I learned just were so different than what I'd ever been taught. And so I now am passionate about sharing the things that I've been taught. But it was crazy, Dr. April, like from the very first month, like had I only done the first month, it would have changed my life. Okay. Because So love is patient, right, right. Is, is the very first one. So I was looking for it everywhere. Love is patient, love is patient, love is patient. What does that even mean? And, and just trying to figure it out for the entire month. And uh, then I had something happen in Haiti and I figured it out. And uh, love that is patient is different than patience. We know what patience is. We're not honking our horn when we're stuck in traffic or mad because our six-year-old can't find his shoes and it's time to get out the door for school, you know, or whatever. But love that is patient is, is different. When you love with love that is patient, you recognize that this is the most important moment of your life this moment right now. What's in the past is in the past and what's in the future is yet to come. With you loving, with love that is patient, you are fully here, fully here for the person that you love and you, which should be anybody because you should love everybody. So you're fully present. And I'll tell you, I stunk at this. I was horrible about it because I, I thought that I was listening but I could think about a meeting that I had later that day, what I needed to pick up at the grocery store on my way home from work, who had to get to soccer practice, you know, whatever. I could be so distracted and think that I'm engaged, think that I'm there. And then I found out that that's absolutely not possible. <laughs> and not only that, I was hearing things based on labels that I was putting on people. Love puts mm. no labels on anybody. Love, mm. love has no labels. So, uh, but that's what I was hearing, you know, based on assumptions I was making. So I had to practice this and practice this and practice this. But when I got it, when I got it, my ears opened up and I heard things I never would have heard. Wow. Yeah. So love with love that is patient is being a hundred percent there with the person mm -hmm. you're with at the time. Right. And I was just thinking as you're saying love, it's patient and being fully present. And then your experience in, in Haiti where you had so much um, struggles, but you developed confidence and trust. Right. Yeah. And um, technically, you know, faith and hope is great, but love is the greatest of it all because it can really, how can I put it? It can save you from fear. Mm-hmm comfort you when you're distressed and hurt you know so it's true. all things it is it is and it's you know it's uh coming to an understanding too of of what it is and and realizing that maybe there's another definition for love that you never heard before right that can do what you said and help with stress and depression and and everything else. I mean, love does so much for you. And when you live love, when you live it fully, it, mm -hmm. it changes your life. 
Right. And I love how you said you need to look at all people with love. Right. For those listeners out there who are like, how do I do that when person A is different from me? Their political beliefs are different from me. Their religious beliefs, I don't even understand, you know, or they hurt me. How can I look at everyone with love? Yeah, well, there's kind of a couple answers, but one is that uh, we are all different. We're all different, right? And and sometimes you hear people say, well, I love everybody, but those darn Republicans, or I love everybody, but those darn Democrats, right? Well, then right. you don't love everybody. Right. Then you exactly. don't love everybody. But I'm Kim, and you're Dr. April, and that's where it is. We are individual people. And people might belong to a club, but that's not who they are. They're, they're Kim and Dr. April and right. whoever, Mary and Sue and I don't know, whoever. Whoever you are, you are. You know, I think about like the, the Mona Lisa. If it ever went up for sale, I don't even know how many millions and millions of dollars someone would pay for it. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. And so right. are you. There's never been anybody exactly like you. There never will be anybody exactly like you. You are the only you. There's something special and incredible and wonderful about that. There's something that is so great about that that we need to embrace it for ourselves and love, love who you're created to be and live, give yourself the freedom to live who you believe you're created to be. And at the same time, then love goes out and then you can love people you don't have to like, but you can love people when you just recognize that, yes, they're unique. They're a unique individual. They're different than you are. It's okay for people to have different opinions. That's okay. Because as passionately as you believe something, they might believe the opposite equally as passionately. And you're sitting there thinking, hi, how can they be so dense? And they're sitting there thinking, how can you be so dense? Right? So, it's okay to have different opinions because again, we don't control anybody right. and love is your only job. It's your only job. You don't have to hang out with them. Like we said, but, but just love people, just love people. Let, let others be who they're created to be just as they let you be who you're created to be. Right. And exactly. And, and to um, also to further that we can't control how we came into this earth. So I say to myself, I don't know if I had if I had different parents or different, you know, lived in a was born in a different way or time zone or whatever, or country, would I be that other person? Because we're all yes, yes. Right. 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 Yeah, because so, we get so we're so influenced. Right. By the we people are. around us, by the house we're raised in, right. by the the schools we go to, you know, right. by all of it. Right. 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 So the only thing we really can control in ourselves is to love. Mm -hmm. And it's universal. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a language that um, through a look, through a touch, through a smile, mm -hmm. the other person gets it. Right. Right. Yeah. Smile. I love that smile. And we don't do that enough. Or, uh, you know, I, I say we like I should include the world with what I don't do enough, you know, whatever. But, you know, there's something that's so disarming about a smile, a genuine smile. You know, mm -hmm. when, you, when you see somebody, whether you know them or not, you know, a smile right. just brings a smile to your own face. Right, right. Which is, you know, some people don't um, really um, 
they just pass through the day not look at anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, like they don't feel like, oh my gosh, I feel so empty. But when you look and you smile, how that puts it in the atmosphere. Yes. Mm-hmm. It changes things. It changes everything. Yeah. And you asked too about uh, what about people who have done you wrong, right? Yes. How do you yes. love them? Yes. Well, I'll tell you, there's a, a phrase in there that is love keeps no record of wrongs. Mm. And I didn't want to do this one. Like I put it off because I thought, you know, you might forgive people, but you don't forget the things that happened to you. Right. right. And so what could it possibly mean? Well, that particular month, I had a man from the U.S. ask if I would show him this water project, if he could bring some guys over and they might want to be interested in, in Haiti. And I said, sure. So eight men came over from the U.S. and then uh, two guys from Haiti, two of my friends from Haiti who were working on the water project came along with us to translate. And uh, so we got to where we were staying and it was this little tiny building with two rooms with four twin size beds in each room. And so eight American men, two Haitian men and me, right, in these two rooms. But we brought two cots and an air mattress along. So I'm thinking, ah, we can rearrange things, you know, we'll be okay. Well, the head of the American guys pulls me aside, Kim, Kim, can I talk to you? I'm like, sure. And he said, did you see the room? And I'm thinking, buddy, there is nothing else to see. And then I thought, oh, he's asking me because he's going to think I want my own room. So I'm going to say, well, it's okay. I'll sleep outside. And he'll say, no, no, no. If anyone should sleep inside, it should be you. And then I'll say, well, I don't care if there's other people in my room. And he'll go, good, because there's only so much space. Right. So I said, well, it's okay. I'll sleep outside. And he said, oh, good, good. Because there are men on this trip that would not be comfortable with a woman in their room. And I'm thinking, what is going to happen in the middle of the night with a room full of people that you're uncomfortable? Like, wear something to bed, you know, if, if that's what it takes. Don't go to bed naked. I don't know. I wear pajamas. But yeah, maybe it's a culture thing. It was a right, culture. right. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, they were Americans. And I saw, so oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And so I, I said I would sleep outside. So I had to figure it out. So there was this piece of plywood held up by a couple wooden structures. So I thought, well, I'll put the air mattress under there and at least I won't get rained on if it rains. But I was scared to death to sleep outside because there are snakes and tarantulas and chupacabras or whatever's lurking in the bushes of 80. So I was so afraid of getting maimed in the middle of the night. And so the first night I blew up my air mattress and put it underneath and it held air for about an hour. And then I'm laying on gravel and it was so loud because dogs were barking and horns were honking. And finally that died down sometime after midnight. And then voodoo drums started in the distance and that went for a couple hours. And then finally I was able to doze off and get some sleep. So first night came and went, everything was fine. Second night, same thing. I'm on the gravel, the dogs, the horns, the voodoo drums. Finally, I'm asleep but I woke up because there was something on my leg. And I'm thinking, oh my word, does Haiti even have the anti-venom to whatever it is that's about to bite me? You know, like, can I get ear lifted to Miami to save my leg and whatever. And so I slowly lifted my head and I slowly opened my eyes and it was, it was a chicken. There was a chicken oh my on my leg. And I didn't know whether to be mad because it right. woke me up from the little bit of sleep I was getting or happy because, it right. wasn't something worse than a chicken. Third night came and went, everything fine. Fourth night, same thing, dogs, horns, voodoo drums. And again, I was sleeping and woke up because there was something on my leg. And again, I was scared to death and I 
slowly lifted my head and slowly opened my eyes. And again, it was the dang chicken. <laughs> and again, I didn't know whether to be mad or happy. But that night, we had chicken for dinner. So oh, the fifth night came and went without incident. Everything was fine. And I got to say, at first, I was bitter. I was mad at these guys. I right. thought, who treats people like this? Because it wasn't even like my gender. I was, it was like subhuman. You know, like the right. men get to sleep inside. Right. But, you know, outside. you lowly person, you go sleep outside. What is that about? Right. And I'm thinking, gosh, I hope my sons would make somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, then I thought, you know, bitterness only hurts me. They don't even know I'm mad. I'm the one that offered to sleep outside. Like I shouldn't be mad. Right. And then it hit me. Love keeps no record of wrongs. I finally figured out what it meant. Mm. And what it means is that the, just the narrative changes. You don't forget the things that happen to you, but the tone changes, the narrative changes. Mm. So instead of guy, these rotten guys that did this rotten thing to me, now it's just kind of this funny thing that I lived through and I could literally sleep anywhere in the world and be perfectly fine. So we pick the narrative of our stories of everything that happens to us. We choose the narrative. Right. You know, people shouldn't control that for you. You control it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what love that keeps no record of wrongs does. It changes the narrative and changes yeah. it in a, in, a, in a way that you can still love. Right. It's about that compassion. Yeah, compassion is a good word. Yeah, and then yeah. yes, I love um Corinthians 13. Um yeah, second Corinthians chapter, is it 13? Yeah, 13. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. I love that. It's um actually part of um I belong to a sorority, and that's the main thing that we focus on is that one right oh. there. Oh, that's yes. cool. yeah, and so in that it's about the compassion, like you were saying, looking at something with compassion. You know, mm. you don't keep right or wrongs and that kind of stuff. Yes, definitely. Wow. So yeah. you've actually written um, a book or two books. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So my first book, Cry Until You Laugh, is uh, about, I started writing when I was diagnosed with cancer because everything I saw was either depressing or medical. And I wanted to know, are there choices? You know, what, what does it feel like? What am I going to go through? And so I started writing then. And so I was still writing when my husband was diagnosed and after he passed and, you know, whatever. So I wrote for about a year. And then my second book is based on this year long, actually 14 month long, because there's 14 is and isn'ts of love right. <laughs> in that chapter. And so a uh, 14 month long journey wow. um, to discover the true meaning of love. And so that that's love is. That's right. Well, how did that, I'm curious, um, in the sense of the first trauma of having cancer, how did you gain back loving your body? Because many people somehow get so upset with themselves, maybe even with um, God, when they get diagnosed with cancer or their body. You know, it's interesting uh, because right away when I would tell people or people would find out, they'd go, well, why you? Why you? And my response was always, well, why not me? You know, why would I be immune? You know, I, I do believe in God, but I don't believe in a God that is up in heaven and goes, hey, I saw that you stole that pack of gum when you were in seventh grade. So when right. you're 47 years old, you're getting breast cancer. Right. You know, I don't think that's how it works. Right. And so nobody's immune. Like it can happen to anybody. So, you know, the, the why me uh, never existed for me mm -hmm. because it, 
it's life. It's life. It's the world we live in. Right. And so, uh, so that I think was part of it. And a big thing that I learned is, um, there are things that you have no control over, mm-hmm. no control. You, you have no choice. Like I wouldn't have chosen cancer. Or I wouldn't chose, have chosen to lose my husband. I wouldn't have chosen those things, but there are things you do control and there are choices you can make. And joy is one of them. Mm-hmm. How full you want to live, how happy you want to be. You get to pick that. Right. People, people don't get to pick that for you or shouldn't be able to pick that for you. Mm-hmm. You get to make those choices. And so I choose to make the best choices that I can right. with the choices that I can make. Right, right. And it seems like kind of going back to your original concept, you choose to be fully present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes when people have been, um, they lose someone and they're grieving, they're like, I'm not going to ever love again. I'm not going to, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But they're stuck in the past. Right. They're so hurt that they don't want to open themselves up to the present moment. Yeah, it's so true. You know, grief is such a an interesting thing. I'm actually co-writing a book on on grief right now, and uh, you do see people that are kind of stuck underneath it. Right. Just kind of can't get back on top of it. Right. And you know, it's not about getting over it. Right. Because you don't ever get over it. Oh, you never you know? do. Yeah. But it's about getting back on top of it. Mm-hmm. And I think there there are times when people feel like they're dishonoring the person they lost if they're happy again, because they should just live in this sorrow because they're so sad that that the person's gone. But I think the opposite is true. I think to really honor my husband is to be happy and right. is to live fully and is to do whatever I can in this world. Right. Yeah. Right. I like that. It's, um, you know, with grief, you can honor people by loving um, in the present moment and Mm -hmm. showing up and being present. Because in some ways, we're all connected. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Which I love that. Don't you love that? Yes, I do. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful thing that we're all connected. It's a wonderful thing. And, and, uh, I think we take it for granted sometimes or we don't recognize it. We don't open our eyes to see it. And it's special that we're right. connected and that we're here for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and nobody's in this alone. Yes. It's good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so then you also have two big media things that you connect with people through your show and your podcast. Yes. Yes. I Right. I've got a podcast. Love is celebrity interviews. I get to interview wonderful people. And, you know, I'll tell you, I don't know why I get to do these wonderful things, but I do. And I'm grateful. (laughs) And then I have a TV show coming out. I was approached by a network to host a live weekly talk show. Oh, Yeah. So uh, it'll be on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock on different streaming platforms. And it's called Heart and Soul with Kim Sorrell. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Yes. And you'll yeah. be, of course, talking about love. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if people are out there listening and they want to connect with you, how can they do that? 
Well, I'm literally the only Kim Sorrell spelled my way in the entire world because my last name's ridiculous. It has way too many letters, two R's, two E's, two L's, S-O-R-R-E-L-L-E. But KimSorrell.com is my website. Uh, Love is, uh, is available everywhere. It's available on my website, but Amazon, brick and mortar stores like Barnes and Noble, um, different places. And so it's easy to find. It has a dark blue cover and uh, big white letters. So, you know, it's not, not hard to identify. And I do love connecting with people. I've got a free 14 day love challenge on my website. And if you sign up for it, I'll send you for free a WWLD, what would love do wristband. Oh, okay. I'm definitely going to sign up. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Because yeah, if you can answer any question that way, you know, you're doing the right thing. Right. 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 If we come in with a conflict or we don't know what to do, what would love do? What would love do? Mm -hmm. That's beautiful, Kim. Yes. It's been an honor to have you on our show. Yes. And thank you so much. Well, it's been a pleasure to be here. I think you're amazing. I love your show. And I know you're doing so many wonderful things for so many people. And so thank you for all that you do. Oh, well, thank you. All right. We'll be taking a break and we'll be back in a moment. Improving intimacy, everyday expressions is all about you and your partner. Opportunities for intimacy are scattered endlessly within every second of life you create together with your partner. Everyday expressions will educate you and open your eyes to just how great your relationship could be with a little TLC. Improving intimacy, everyday expressions provides a true baseline for the strength in your relationship you've been looking for. Available in Kindle, Audible, and paperback. Welcome back to the Bringing Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. Well, Kim was just so wonderful. And if you're out there and you're struggling either in a relationship or maybe you're struggling with yourself or just struggling overall, love is an answer that can definitely help you. So definitely look for her book, Love Is, and definitely check out her website, um, just as she spells her name, um, www.kim, K-I-M, Sorrell, S-O-R-R-E-L-L-E. Okay, so sorry that Coach K is in here this week, but she'll definitely be joining us next week. And we have some great upcoming shows coming up. So on April 6th, we have Spring Break Sneaky Links, which is we're going to be talking about people being on spring break and some sneaky things that happens when people are on spring break. Then on April 13th, which I'm so excited, um, we're going to talk about intimacy with self, spirit, and loved ones. And that's, of course, with Blair AB. And then on April 20th, we're going to talk about spiritual intimacy, which is wonderful because April, we have a lot of different spiritual holidays that are coming up. If you're out there and, like I said again, you're struggling, one of the great things she talked about is just being fully present. And being fully present, guys, means to just fully be thankful, grateful, and love yourself, love whoever's around you, and your situation. Because with love, when you look into that lens, you will have a lens of compassion. And when you have compassion, it opens up so many different opportunities that you may not have thought of in other ways. This has been the Bringing Intimacy Back show, and I'll see you guys next week.
Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Bringing Intimacy Back, where intimacy is real. You can also find us at bringingintimacyback.com, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Dr. April Brown's seventh book series, Improving Intimacy, is now on Amazon. We'll see you next Thursday at 3.30 p.m. Don't forget to follow, share, and subscribe.